Welcome to Connection Point and welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. And welcome to a missions weekend. Every other month we like to highlight the fact that we have the opportunity to touch the world with the good news of Jesus. And we don't take that opportunity lightly, so we go after it and we do that. We'd also like to welcome the Indiana Wesleyan University women's basketball team. Can we welcome them this morning? They're on their way to the national championships. So, yeah, we celebrate that. So we just want to pray with them this morning. Could you pray with me? God, we just pray that you'd go before this team. Lord, we pray that you would use them to be a, a great witness of you. Lord, I pray that when they step on the court, that your presence is so real in their lives that other teams would ask, what is it about this team? And they could just say, it's you, Jesus. So God, I, I pray that as they go, that they would come together as a team, be united in purpose. And Lord, I pray that they'd keep their eyes on you and just uh, give you all the glory you're due. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys are here for a great weekend. Uh, we only do this every other month uh, to highlight the fact that we get to touch the world, and we do that. So we support 80 different ministries and cross-cultural workers around the world every month. Uh, we're behind what they're doing. And uh, in case you're unaware, but I'm sure your university does a good job of helping you understand, your lives are meant to make an eternal difference, locally and globally. Uh, that's why we've got a team of young adults leaving Friday to go to Istanbul, Turkey, so that they can see with their own eyes, like, holy cow, I can make a difference here. And so, man, as you guys go, uh, I know some of you are seniors and you're going to launch out into the world in a different way. May you always hold close. Jesus, what is my life meant to do to impact, you know, for your kingdom? Um, but you guys are here for a great weekend. So we get to host some regional directors. So Assemblies of God World Missions, we're a part of the Assemblies of God. It was really started as a missions movement, and they came together to organize to say we could do a lot more together than we could hope to do apart. And that togetherness was we commit ourselves in this movement to the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. And they've done that. And we continue to do that. And so this morning, we get to hear from one of our regional directors for the Assemblies of God. So it's broken up into six regions, seven if you count the U.S. And so this morning, we have the Ellis's here. They're going to cast vision for what God is doing in Latin America and the Caribbean. Anybody here this morning that's gone to Latin America? We've taken some trips there, Dominican Republic. Uh, we've got some people that have gone to, to see Latin America with their own eyes, but we get to hear firsthand this morning what God is doing in Latin America, and I also get to hear how we get to continue to be a part. Isn't it amazing that from West Lafayette, Indiana, we get to make a difference in places like Argentina. We get to make a difference in places like Brazil. We get to make a difference in places like Mexico and El Salvador. Isn't that awesome? May we never take that for granted. How easy, uh, I, I emailed back and forth with uh, the director of Assemblies of God World Missions this last week, and he was talking about what you all have been doing to impact the world. And I just said, thanks for making it easy. Like, all we have to do is host people and get behind them. So may we do that, and then we get to pray for the nations, and we're going to do that tomorrow night, so we invite you back for that. But can we welcome uh, David as he comes to share this morning? Man. Buen día, ¿cómo están? ¿Cuántos hablan bien el español? A ver la mano. No one, there we go. Muy bien. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Zach and Shelley. I'm looking forward to continuing to meet uh, people from the church. I understand there's 60 or more uh, missions council 
people out of the church. And so that's, uh, that's awesome. I saw some hands go up in terms of Latin America, Caribbean. I, uh, I remember uh, my parents were missionaries. And, w- and it's great, uh, just awesome that I'm, I'm in Indiana from Buenos Aires, Argentina, right at the same time that Indiana Wesleyan is, uh, is going and ending their season with a victory in, uh, in the Dakotas. So uh, let's go for it. Yeah, the whole thing. Anyway, uh, um, just uh, awesome for me to, to be here and to enjoy this time and talk about Latin America Caribbean. With my parents, I remember they told me that they were itinerating many years ago. I would grow up in Argentina and then serve there with my wife, Carol, who I don't know if you were mentioned by name. Carol, uh, yeah, I know you don't mind, but why don't you stand? I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, I remember someone came up after the service and asked what part of Africa uh, Argentina was in. And, uh, you know, our geography uh, skills aren't uh, what they should be. Uh, everything south of the border and out into the Caribbean is Latin America Caribbean. We served uh, for almost 30 years in uh, the country of Argentina, in the city of Buenos Aires, a little city of 15 million people, kind of in central uh, Atlantic uh, coast of uh, Argentina and based out of there as we, uh, as we moved around that part of South America. I want to share with you a little from the story of, of David in, uh, in the cave of Adullam, and you find the story in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. 1 Chronicles chapter 11, I'm going to read this story. It's going to refer to not only David, but uh, the, the men that he surrounded himself with. Today, in today's world, it would be the men and women that we surround ourselves with. And it's interesting whether you take Jesus and the, and the people he surrounded himself with, uh, they, weren't, they weren't the cream of the crop, uh, but they became the people that turned the world upside down, it says. Likewise with David, as, uh, as he's facing the jealousy of King Saul, he uh, encounters these, these people, and three of them are mentioned in this story. And it says, starting with verse 15, Three of the 30 chief men went down to the rock to David at the cave of Adullam when the army of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, far be it from me before my God that I should do this. Shall I drink the livelihood or lifeblood of these men? For at the risk of their lives, they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. It's interesting, when you think of David and these mighty men as they're referred to at this, in this passage and numbers of stories about these men, but what I want to highlight at the outset this morning is who they used to be before they were referred to as mighty men. They were anything but. It says in 1 Samuel uh, 22, verse 2, that all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him 
and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. This is the group of people that David ended up having around him. What's amazing about the story, and and, and it's not part of the message, but how 400 men didn't influence David, but rather how David influenced 400 men. And eventually they would help him not only defeat enemies, but they would be a part of of the kingdom of Israel that that would help him in terms of reigning. An author said this regarding these mighty men by the name of David Jones. He wrote, they were a combination of combat commandos, stealth rangers, Navy SEALs, Green Berets, special ops, Delta forces, and Indiana Wesleyan women's basketball players demanded and and, and had acquired the skills of battle, demanded to survive and conquer in hand-to-hand warfare. They engaged in clandestine operations and were often outnumbered by staggering odds, pitted against against them, yet they stood their ground and time after time on fields of battle and basketball courts They were the last women standing, or the last men standing, David Jones wrote. What was, what took place between the disgruntled, the men that owed everyone money? I can imagine that as David had to flee into the wilderness to escape his father-in-law, King Saul became so jealous after he defeated the, the giant Goliath. And the people of Israel began to just yell out praises to David and Saul was used to them coming back from battle and victories of them uh, uh, raising his name and now all of a sudden the interest of the people is being shifted from Saul to David and not only because of the, the battles that he was winning but they noticed as Pastor Zach referred to in terms of opponents seeing the, the inner work of God in our lives, uh, they were noticing that the anointing of God was on this former shepherd boy, now warrior of the armies of Israel. So the more jealous he became, the more necessary it became, or he was going to lose his life, to flee into the wilderness. And this is where he encountered these disgruntled, disillusioned uh, rejects of society. They might have been living in towns and villages at one point, but because of owing people money and all the issues that they had, uh, it was just easier for them to move out or be forced out, and they lived out in the wilderness, and that's where they were making their homes, and David comes along in a similar situation. In the the case of David, as I've described, the jealousies of his father-in-law, of King Saul. And being around David, over time, changed them. We could give testimony, really, of the same thing. How many of us, before Christ, were this, that, or the other, until we met Jesus, and he did an inner work in our hearts, and we were changed? We become like those we, we spend time with. And in the case of these disgruntled rejects of society. As the armies of Israel went out into the wilderness to look for David and would would seek him out to, to cause him harm. And as the Philistine armies would engage in battle with David and he had this motley crew of 
of men that surrounded him. Over time, they learned the art of battle, as David Jones wrote, and became the mightiest warriors. They were superheroes of their time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, in terms of our own lives, it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I think of myself, an MK that was born in, a, in, in, in church practically at the time my parents were pastors out in the Northwest. I think of going to the mission field at the age of six and being in churches and mission services like this one pretty much my whole life. But I know what my life would be like without Christ. I know of the transformation that's taken place here inside of me. I know that I could have never responded to the mission's call without an inner work in my heart by the Lord of Lords. In terms of this story, and I might take a little bit of liberty reading between the lines of these few verses in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, but we have the story says, of these men who had spent time in the presence of David, who had been transformed, they had engaged in battles, they had won battles, one would go up against hundreds and defeat them. They were amazing stories that you can read about in the Old Testament. But at the end of one day, like so many others, David ended the day and he, he went up to the cave of Adullam. It looked down over the valley of Rephaim, and in the distance, would be his, his, his birthplace, the city of Bethlehem. And these, these three mighty men, only three are mentioned in the story. At times as I've read through scripture, I've wondered where were the others and maybe, maybe they were there or nearby. At the end of the day, as the sun is going down, it's time for armies to rest back in that day. And yet David couldn't rest. He was looking off in the distance and remembering the days of his childhood and youth. If the other mighty men, if another one was present, if a number of them were present, they're not in the story, I wonder, at the end of another hot day out in the wilderness and of maybe engaging in battles when they had to and hiding from armies at other times if they just put their heads down on a rock and fell asleep within seconds. But three are mentioned in the story. And I imagine as I read through this story over and over again that we have David not only looking and reminiscing about the, the good old days of Bethlehem. When he would go to the well that's mentioned in First Chronicles chapter 11 and he would draw water for himself. He would draw water maybe for the flocks of his father and for family members, maybe for a, a neighbor. And at the mouth of the cave, as the sun is going down, as the sun continues to set and people begin turning on and lighting the lamps in the windows of their little homes, looking out and being able to recognize the, the landscape that he knew so well, looking out beyond the, the army of the Philistines that were camped in the valley between where he was and where Bethlehem was, and thinking of, of those great memories that he'd made when he grew up around Bethlehem. The three mighty men, as tired as they were, were attentive to their king. 
their allegiance, they owed everything to him, their lives had been changed, they were now what every guy would want to be, just warriors of warriors. They might have fallen asleep within seconds if they'd allowed themselves to, but maybe I picture them at a certain distance and if David is at the mouth of the cave, just observing him and watching him, refusing to do anything without any signal from the king that he was calling it a day. Time went by and they might have, whether they saw his lips moving and wondering what he might have been saying, maybe from a certain distance to respect and not interrupt their king's thoughts, maybe they could hear something but they couldn't make out what it was. In the now dark cave, they begin to slowly and quietly make their way to get close enough to their king to find out exactly what it is that he might be saying. They got just close enough to hear the words. Of all the things he might have said, of all the things that were in the king's heart, he was longingly wanting to drink that familiar water from that well that he, he had been to so many times. But it took them drawing closer to their king to hear his desires for them or for himself. It was kind of an impossible desire. But kings have that, presidents, kings, governors, they have desires that sometimes are much bigger than we can imagine. In the case of David, he wanted water and it would take crossing a valley with an, a, a, a foreign army to just draw a little bit of water for, for David and satisfy his thirst. The mighty men really didn't think twice about it. It was the desire of their king. So whatever he wanted, they were willing to give their lives for it. But my second point is it took drawing in close to hear what he had to say. I remember over the years growing up as a missionary kid, my parents used to always tell my brothers and I to never become a missionary just because they were missionaries. And they talked about the call of God. And so that put added pressure on, on my brothers and I. Two of us became missionaries. There were three of us. I had to draw in close many, many times. I knew what scripture said, that we're all to be involved in the task of reaching the world for Christ. Every gospel talks about it. Acts 1.8 talks about it. We're all to be involved in the task of fulfilling the desire of our king, the king of kings, one much greater than David. His desire is to see the nations reached. But would he be possibly calling me to leave this country and go to another country somewhere in the world, Latin America or elsewhere? It took getting in close and spending time as, at places as we do in, we call this an altar area. And the number of times over the years growing up in Argentina and then later in the States when I was going to college, being in a church and kneeling at an altar, crying out to God and drawing in close to hear what it might be that he was saying specifically to me as to whether I should be the one going, how much I should give, to pray for missions. Do you draw in close to hear the word of 
of the Lord, we can go to God's word and read his will for our lives. Everything that we hear outside of the word of God has to be judged by God's word. But are, as mighty men and women of God, are you, are you drawing in close? He's changed your life. You've spent time with him. You're different. But you spend time in his presence. It takes a while to hear his voice when we draw in. Sometimes to get close, it takes, uh, there are things that come against that. Sometimes our tiredness keeps us from getting close enough to hear the desires of our king. That might have been the case of the three mighty men in the story. Sometimes it's our schedule, our busyness. We can get so busy, including those of us in the ministry. Serving as we do in the 40 countries of Latin America, Caribbean, we keep extremely busy. 512, 14 missionaries in 40 countries in Latin America, Caribbean. We're getting emails on weekends and on holidays from those missionaries that have particular needs and situations that they need to be addressed. It would be easy to fill my schedule up to such an extent that I, I put off for a day, drawing in close to hear the desires of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and what he might be saying. Sometimes it's just laziness or worry or worldliness, seeking after anything rather than God. All these things that we could make a long list of, things that keep us from drawing in close to the presence of God and letting him surround us. I think you know what I'm talking about. What it is to whether you walk and stand or rock or kneel and wherever your place of prayer is, sometimes it takes a while before you feel enveloped and in his presence and you're tuned in not only to, to the voice of the spirit, to the to the innermost parts of your being, but all of a sudden scripture is being opened and being revealed to you in ways that maybe it hadn't before. You know what I'm saying? In Spanish, this means yes. So in Spanish, just go like this if you're following me. We've spent time in God's presence and depending on the time we spend with him and and, and fulfill his desires and obey him, we're, we're being transformed more and more into his likeness. That's one of the things we all talk about at AG World Missions and in church. We want our missionaries to be completely Christ-like within the cultures that they go to, whether they can preach the gospel or whether they just have to be a witness and demonstrate it. But that takes drawing close and and hearing what he has to say. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When was the last time you drew near? When was the last time you were just overcome by his presence as you considered the needs of the world? The last thing, point I wanna leave with you is we obey the desires of the king no matter how impossible they may seem. These three mighty men didn't uh, sit back and, 
and gather in a huddle, the three of them, and decide, uh, I think this isn't going to work out because there's no way for three of us to defeat a whole army of the Philistines crossing this valley. We're at such a disadvantage, we better wait until a better time. And by the way, the, the fort of the Philistine army, the garrison where the officials would be and, the, and, and, and their best soldiers to guard them and protect them is in Bethlehem right now. So impossible to, go, to get water out of that gate. David may have to wait until tomorrow and maybe there will be a well somewhere out in the desert that's safe and we can go and draw water there. Maybe there's another way to do this. The three mighty men, as if they heard the word, and before David could even stop them, they were off to the races, descending from the the mouth of that cave into the valley. The Bible doesn't say what they encountered with the armies, if if God made them sleep through the whole experience or if they, they engaged in battle. They got the water and brought it back to their king, the one that they loved. It's been interesting in in missions and since uh, especially moving to Springfield, Missouri, where we live now, we have to base out of there as we, as we travel around Latin America, Caribbean. Our missionaries never, when, once they've heard the desires of the king, they never consider whether it's a safe place or an unsafe place. If it's the desire of the king for them to go to a country of great violence, Some of the most violent countries in the world are in Central America. That's one of the reasons we have so many at our southern border. They're trying to escape the violence of El Salvador and Nicaragua and and Honduras. They don't consider whether they're reached or unreached. They don't consider whether it's hard or easy. They don't consider any of these things We in leadership sometimes have to hold them back because I have missionaries that want to go back to Venezuela today. We had to pull them out a couple of years ago because of violence and danger to them. Now we allow two of them to go in just briefly and come back out during times of relative peace. But if it were up to the missionaries, they'd be back in Venezuela tomorrow because they're sensing that God wants to do something through them in Venezuela. And the fact that they feel that way, I'm expecting that God will bring about some kind of resolution of the, of the conflict there and we'll have missionaries once again on the ground in Venezuela. We were just in Cuba a few weeks ago and in the case of Cuba, they are a church that's been under tremendous persecution and continue to be to this day. We were there for a large conference and and the conference had an emphasis on missions I've been there many times over the years it's part of the Caribbean of, of, of the Latin America Caribbean region being there with them uh, and, and, and in that church is an amazing experience because of their total commitment to God they the church of Cuba has been transformed because they've spent time in God's presence Four years ago, we went in with Greg Mundus, our executive director, and for the first time, we began to challenge them to the need for Cuba to be involved in the task of reaching the world for Christ, but not with U.S. help or European help or help from somewhere else, but that they needed to step up to the plate and raise up missionaries and send them around the world. 
The average salary of someone in Cuba is 20 to $25 a month. But during that conference four years ago, we spent time in the presence of God and we heard him speaking. They heard him speaking specifically to them. And they didn't know how, the resources weren't there. It's an impossible situation for them to support one missionary. But four years later, we have 40 Cubans that have been trained to be missionaries around the world, most of them not in our region of Latin America, Caribbean. They're preparing, they're raising their budget, and three of them are fully supported. Impossible, they thought and we thought, except we trusted God and we were hearing his voice for the Cuban church. And they don't want our help in terms of finances. They know that they would give up something if they received help and we made it possible for them to do what God is asking them to do as we do what God is asking us to do. I was just talking to our area director for the Andean area. Those are the countries of Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru. Um, I think I'm missing one. And Bolivia. What we've done in the last five years is, is developed um, church planting teams and we're strategically locating these church planting teams to reach areas that, that are completely unreached where the national church, if it exists, isn't doing anything, have blind spots and, and, and so forth and so on. We have a number of needs throughout Latin America, Caribbean. Missionaries are are working with children, they're working with university students. We just got back from Chile in a university ministry uh, 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 summit where we challenge these students from different countries of South America to go and give at least a year or two of their lives after they graduate from college as missionaries. We have needs in Bolivia. Uruguay is the most atheistic country, uh, uh, most atheistic democracy in our region and we only have three missionary couples. In four or five years, we won't have a single missionary left in Paraguay, and yet we have unreached people groups in the northern part of, of that country where no one is working. Brazil has the largest territory within the Amazon basin, and, and we can't reach in and touch the indigenous unreached people groups, the thousands of groups that are there. Most of them are on, on the wall. Most of our groups are, are in Brazil. And we can't go in and touch them because of government protection, the Brazilian government wanting to protect them from outside influence. So we have ways, we're, we're, we're praying to put together a church planting team in the city of Manaus, Brazil in the northeast. It's a, it's a, it's a jungle gateway city into the Amazon and looking for ways to reach them because we've been able to, to touch the indigenous uh, communities in the other countries ridden up a, a canoe for six hours with a, with a, little, a little motor and, and an indigenous person with a, it was like a, a Maxwell coffee can uh, bailing water the whole six hours and every time he would stop to rest, I'd see the water because it was a handmade canoe. And so water was just pouring in constantly and he was bailing as fast as he could and I was ready to jump on the can and do it myself. Uh, on this tributary of the Amazon until we got to a, a community in deep in, in, into the Amazon jungle of, of Ecuador and had an opportunity to speak. It's already a, a place where we've planted a church. 
and, and the people's lives are being changed and they have a, they have a shuar, that's the name of the people group, they have a shuar pastor in charge of, of that congregation now as, as our missionaries go deeper and deeper into the jungle, but not so in, in Brazil. No one is allowed to touch them, not even the Brazilians. And so we're going to develop a, a, a church planting team and do something in the Gateway City where some of them come out and, and hopefully over time we're going to see God open a door that we can do something in that vast area of the Amazon. Because I don't know if our missionaries are a, even able to get to the furthest reaches of the Brazilian Amazon. But as the map that you're seeing, and there's... Uh, Latin America, Caribbean, that's the region that we have the joy of serving. Those are color-coded by the areas. We have the southern cone in orange, the Andean area in yellow, I think blue might be uh, Central America, Mexico's green, and then the Caribbean islands. You're seeing some, just a couple pictures of the Quechua people that live mostly in the Cusco area of Peru. Cusco's a region and it's also a city. The Machu Picchu, which is known among tourism uh, as a destination that people like to go see, is within the Quechua area, the Cusco region. Uh, we, we, we have missionaries now, a church planting team that we've assembled. It's our newest team. And our goal is to plant 20 churches there. We have just a smattering of churches and the problem with Cusco is that as these churches were planted a few years ago, we never trained the pastors and so the pastors are untrained to pastor the churches. And so they're abandoning, they're abandoning the, the call of pastoring those churches. They get frustrated. Uh, they, are, they are incorporating a lot of the indigenous uh, uh, beliefs and so you have a mix of Christianity and paganism. And so it's a, it's a place where we're, we're planning on going in and taking care of some of those issues. And our goal, our initial goal is 20 churches in this vast area. It's not a city, it's a vast region uh, up in the Andes Mountains and down in the jungles in the lower uh, elevations known as Cusco. And each one of those churches will cost $20,000. Our goal is to raise $400,000 and plant 20 churches and train pastors, many of them already there and discouraged and frustrated, but coming alongside them and training them and preparing them so that we can move out as soon as we can as U.S. missionaries and leave the Quechua people to continue to reach this vast region with thousands of people. I'd ask that you pray about that with us. I know that as we got close on our knees with our missionaries, our UPG teams, that was one of the areas we highlighted and we're going after it. Will you be willing to do that with us? I could go on and on and describe some of the other locations, but let me, um, let me ask you to bow your heads in prayer. I'm new here and it's, uh, it's my privilege to be visiting with you all. I assume that the vast majority of you have, have a relationship with the King of Kings and your lives have been changed. 
If you're here this morning and you're still going through life on your own and without the presence of Jesus in your heart, then in a moment I'd ask as I close in prayer that you receive him, that you confess your need for the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It'll change your life as it did the the disgruntled of the wilderness and turned them into the mighty men that ruled and governed with their king, David. I'd encourage many of you this morning, as you've heard about Latin America, Caribbean, to right there where you're at and throughout the hours of today and tonight when we gather for the Q&A, to draw close and hear the still small voice of the Spirit and what he might be saying to you. What is it specifically within this this clear calling of the Lord on every believer to go to the nations and make disciples of them. That's his word to all of us if we're, if we're his mighty men and women. How that looks changes from person to person. When was the last time you got close and let his presence just surround you in such a way that you heard the specifics, the specific will of God for your life? And then whatever it is that he's been speaking to you or that he speaks to you today, without without considering whether it's safe or dangerous, we'll think about that, that stuff. We'll consult with leadership. We'll do things to make sure that missionaries and people that go to the mission field aren't harmed. But let those be secondary concerns to the concern of, I will obey the desires of my king. Whatever it is he's calling me to do and be, that's what I want to do and be. So wherever you're at in that journey, I'm challenging you this morning to consider drawing close to him and obeying his will for your life. In this missions convention, it may be to give to support those 80 missionaries that you support, those cross-cultural workers or some of these projects such as the Cusco project. Lord, I thank you this morning for my privilege of being here at Connection Point. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here in terms of missions. Lord, we lift up our eyes and we see the, the fields that are ripe unto harvest. Lord, out of this congregation, I pray that you would raise up missionaries, cross-cultural workers, ministries that would have a clear focus of touching nations, touching people that are near and far, simultaneously both and. Lord, we, we get close to you this morning and speak to us, we pray. And then give us the courage and the will and the encouragement that we may need to say yes. I ask for this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.